0: How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 180 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and on today's show, we're talking about the top four starters in the A's rotation during the Bailey Bean era. Three of them are pretty easy to guess, but let's see if you can figure out the fourth guy while I tell you to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter. You can follow us at Instagram, also at Locked On A's. I am at By Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So today I am doing something a little bit different with the order that I go in because two of the guys on the list were traded. One stuck around and the other offers some intrigue. So we're saving the intrigue till the very end. He was also traded. So uh, that's your hint for who the, uh, the mystery fourth starter is. So, uh, look, we're gonna start off with number three on the list, according to War, and that is Mark Mulder. He was one third of the big three. He tossed 1,003 innings for the A's across five seasons, tallying an 81 and 42 record with a 392 ERA, and he totaled 17.7 wins above replacement, which was good enough for third place on our list, and if you wanted to rank the big three, well Mulder was probably number three overall, so he sits in well with number three overall on this list, but he still had some fantastic seasons with the A's. In his second season with the team uh, and also in the majors in 2001, as a 23 year old, Mark Mulder led the league in wins with 21. He also led the league in shutouts with four. He had six complete games. He was just an all-around on stud in 2001 and he finished second in the Cy Young voting that season to Roger Clemens but Mark Mulder arguably had the better numbers everywhere on the stat line besides strikeouts where Clemens dominated he also had stair going for him Clemens not Mulder. Mark Mulder never chucked a bat at A-Rod so he didn't have that going for him so there, that blew up his MVP case or his Cy Young case sorry uh, and so when it comes to Mark Mulder I don't really have any specific memories outside of him falling apart in the last month of the 2004 season in which he gave up 24 earned runs in 26 and two-thirds innings, and it feeling like that was the reason the A's lost the AL West to the Angels by one game. He had two starts against the Angels over the final week of that season, and he worked a combined five and two-thirds innings while allowing seven runs on 12 hits, and he walked three, struck out two. He lost both games. It was not great, and uh, it felt like him falling apart kind of cost the A's their chance at the postseason, and then led to them making some moves during the offseason. The Castro Strap days had to make a move after missing the postseason for the first time in a few years, and uh, so they moved Mark Mulder over to the Cardinals, and I touched on the trade a little bit in our first bi- baseman pod just a couple weeks back when I talked about Derek Martin. but there were two other pieces that came back as well. Dan Heron was the big one, and Kigo Colera, who was pretty decent for... A's for four years from 2005 to 2008 but let's talk about Darren Heron for a minute because he just missed the cut for the top four starters in the bean era and uh, before looking up the war leaderboard I thought that he would be the number four guy because he was ridiculously good for the A's when he was with the team but he only played for the A's for three seasons he had a 364 ERA he accumulated 12.2 wins above replacement with the A's and he ended up tied for fifth on the list with Joe Blanton, who I'm not gonna talk about. But uh, my main memory of Dan Heron, I'm gonna segue from Joe Blanton and Mark Mulder and going with Dan Heron on this one. It is a road trip from 2007 because the A's started that season on the road, which is something that they do not do very often. And uh, I really needed some A's baseball, especially after their playoff run in 2006. So I coaxed my friend into coming with me on this road trip. We drove down on that Saturday morning and actually called out sick to work to make it happen. I called up at like 7. A.m. I was like, I don't feel very good. They're like, okay, have a, have a good day. And uh, and until I hit my 30s and my back stopped working, that was the only time I had ever called in sick. So uh, that, that was a moment for me on a personal level. But anyway, we drove down to Anaheim, killed some time, walked around the ballpark and whatnot. And in retrospect, we probably left way too early for this five o'clock game. But uh, it was Dan Heron that started the game and was throwing against John Lackey. The Angels ended up taking the game 2-1, to one, but it only lasted 2 hours and 17 minutes, so it felt like we were back on the road in no time, and uh, we... we drove back home to Concord, and I drove through the entire night because I had to be back at work at 6.30 a.m., and I got home in time to sleep for like 45 minutes before I went into work that day, and uh, being young was so much fun. I could do that and be okay. Uh, I showed up to work, and I hadn't slept. I looked like shit, and because I was cheering at a baseball game the night before, my voice was a little bit hoarse, and uh, so my story that I, you know, told to call in sick totally added up, and I sounded and looked very sick, so it it was a fun day so that's my Dan Heron memory right there for you guys anyway Dan Heron was later traded to the Diamondbacks for Carlos Gonzalez that's right cargo uh you you know that he was with the A's for just a brief minute uh the A's also got Brad Anderson Chris Carter Dana Evelyn Aaron Cunningham and Greg Smith for Dan Heron what a return oh my god that's ridiculous um Thanks, probably, Dave Stewart. (laughs) And if you think about it, this all stemmed from the Mulder deal. He spent four years in St. Louis before retiring, holding a 504 ERA and had just one season over 200 innings. Then injuries limited him to 93, 11, and one and two thirds innings over the next three years. So trading Mulder when they did seemed to work out for the A's. But one guy that they traded uh, that same offseason as Mulder just happens to be the number one starting pitcher on our list. He was traded just two days before Mark Mulder, and that is Tim Hudson. Huddy was arguably my favorite of the big three, and it's probably because he was the best, as you can see by this list, and this ranking on this very prestigious list. In his six seasons with the A's, he went 92-39 and with a 330 ERA and tallied 1,240 innings, and he also had two thirds. He also got two other outs that I just almost failed to mention, so I apologize on that one. And that is how we got up to 27.6 wins above replacement, and my main memory of him is one that I've mentioned a couple of times when he faced off against Pedro Martinez and the Red Sox in Game 1 of the uh, 2003 ALDS. I relived the horrible memories from that series just a couple of days ago, so uh, please never make me watch those highlights again. But we're getting into the good stuff. That game had two starters that would ultimately end up 3rd and 4th in the Cy Young voting that year, and Huddy felt like the guy on the staff that could actually hang with Pedro on any given night, and he did so that night, going seven and two-thirds innings, giving up three earned, and Pedro went seven innings and gave up three. So he actually, those two-thirds of an inning that I almost failed to f- uh, mention just a second ago, that's where they were right there in that game. Of the ALDS in 2003. And uh, that's also the night of the walk-off Bunt, So that's why it was a fun memory for me personally. Um, listen to the Catcher Podcast. I have a, an, another story about that night. But getting back to Tim Hudson... When he was on the mound, it just felt like the A's were going to win. And that's why the game against the Royals that resulted in 20 consecutive victories for the A's was such a shocker. The A's led 11 to nothing after three. And with Hudson on the mound, uh, Billy Bean came back to the park if you've seen Moneyball. And he did not like watching baseball games. (laughs) But it was just a matter of recording those final 18 outs with Huddy on the mound. And because baseball is such a beautiful sport, there is no time clock for the time being. And the Royals were able to mount a comeback against one of the A's best starting pitchers. I mean, arguably their best starting pitcher of the last 22 years. Uh, They scored five runs in the fourth. Only two of those were earned, so it wasn't Huddy's fault. And uh, ultimately, they set the stage for the Moneyball Climax with Scott Hatterberg crushing the ball into the night and getting the A's that 20th win in a row. And those are just my main memories of Tim Hudson with the A's. He was a two-time All-Star with the club, and he placed sixth in the Cy Young voting in three of his six seasons. He was traded to the Braves in 2000 four. Uh, in exchange for Juan Cruz, Dan Mayer, and Charles Thomas, Thomas played in 30 games for the A's in 2005 and hit 109, so uh, nope. Uh, Dan Mayer was a former first-rounder and appeared in two seasons for with the A's, accruing a 798 ERA across 44 innings. If memory serves, injuries really derailed his time with Oakland, and he was placed on waivers after the 2008 season. And then finally, there was reliever Juan Cruz, who basically lost his command with the A's, going from a 275 ERA with a walks per nine uh, with the Braves to a 7.44 ERA with a 6.1 walks per nine with the A's and uh, it was the worst season of his career and he was traded to Arizona for Brad Halsey in March of 2006 and Halsey was released in 2008 Uh, so that's That's the Tim Hudson trade. Not nearly as good as getting Dan Heron and then a bunch of other guys, too. So, uh, oh, well, Uh, Hudson retired after the 2015 season, spending nine seasons with the Braves and his final two with the Giants. He was even an All-Star in 2014, putting up a 2.87 ERA in the first half to earn his spot on that team. So the A's struck gold with a Mulder trade and really whiffed on the Hudson deal. But uh, you can't win them all, I guess, and sometimes you just can't win that final game of the season. Uh, Moneyball. Anyways, uh, coming up on the show, we have one pitcher that wasn't traded and one that was and brought in a pretty nice haul. That is your last clue. Figure out who's number four on this list. You'll be finding out here in just a few minutes. So stay locked in with Locked On A's, and I'll tell you who it is in just a minute. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built Bar, you guys, and the improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also still have their original 12 flavors, including peanut butter and orange. I really like doing that one. That's my new bit, is saying orange. Um, And all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars. All of their bars are very healthy. They are built For the health-conscious person, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. You also get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to Locked on A's Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcast. Tell a friend about the podcast because we are doing A's news for you guys every day of the week. And make sure to follow us on social media, especially Twitter, at Locked on A's, because that is where you can cast your votes for the best members of the starting rotation or any of these positions that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now and determine who was on the All Bean team. I'll have a nice little graphic for that up on Instagram once we finish all the voting. And that'll be going up on Instagram, also at Locked on A's. I am at By Jason B on Twitter. If you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, I went over non tenders yesterday and what the non tender deadline is because it's coming up on Wednesday. So if you have any questions about the non tender deadline or any of that stuff, make sure to email us that or uh, listen to the podcast. Learn a little bit about that. Uh, see who could be non tendered from the A's. But let's get right back into the show. Let's round out the big three with the number two pitcher on our list, Barry Zito. And he survived the 2004 offseason purge and spent the next two seasons with Oakland before signing a massive deal with the Giants worth $126 million over seven years. So he lasted for a couple years longer before hitting free agency. And just the fact that he was not traded by this front office should mean that he's like on the A's Mount Rushmore or something because that is an accomplishment in and of itself. Him and Marcus Simeon can go up there. Uh, Assuming Simeon does not re-sign with the A's, that would mean that he would have left Uh, via free agency, but there's still a chance that the A's go after him. So we we don't know where he lost. So it's Barry Zito, end of list. He is the Mount Rushmore of the Oakland A's. But real quick, uh, he just never really recreated his Oakland success across the Bay with the Giants, but he did help them bring one World Series title uh, of their three that they won in the early 2010s, which made the contract worth it to a lot of Giants fans, even though he was not great necessarily for the majority of that contract. But let's talk about Barry Zito's time in the green and gold. He spent eight years with the A's totaling 1,000. Four hundred and thirty-seven and one-third innings. There you go. I got that one-third for you guys. Uh, he had a three fifty-eight ERA and accumulated twenty-three point eight wins above replacement. And I've mentioned it before, but Barry Zito's performance in Game One of the two thousand and six ALDS, when he outdueled Johan Santana, who just felt like the scariest pitcher on the planet at the time. Uh, he just, when they got that win, it just felt like they could actually win this series and they did. It is, it was a wild time in Oakland for sure. And, uh, my other memory of Zito is from just a couple of years ago when the A's brought back Barry and Ramon Hernandez for their old school black Jersey day. I told part of this story a couple weeks ago on the, uh, the catcher podcast, uh, for the, the first installment of the all being team. But, uh, we're telling the Barry Zito portion of this now. Uh, I saw him signing with his right hand, which really threw me. I believe I took a picture of it, posted it on my own uh, Instagram account, and was like, noted left handed pitcher, Barry Zito signing with his right hand. What the hell's going on? Something like that. But my main memory from this day is him answering a question that I asked him and him providing a legitimately good answer uh, because they were wearing the black jerseys and I knew that he'd been on the teams that wore them. I asked him if he had any any memories from wearing those jerseys and it was just me and Susan Slusser standing there waiting for his reply and he said that he remembers loving them but Kevin Apier who was on the team when he was a rookie uh, thought that it was easier for hitters to pick up the ball out of the pitcher's hand so he did not like them whatsoever and Zito then recalls a start up in Toronto during his rookie season in which he pitched really well, and they beat up on David Wells pretty good. It was a little bit later into his rookie season, but the A's won 10 to nothing, and Zito allowed two hits across six and two-thirds innings. So that was his start. I looked looked up the stats on uh, baseball reference, but he was right on the rest of it. And uh, he said that after the game, he walked into the clubhouse as a rookie and said, well, boys, looks like the jerseys are fine, huh? And I thought that that was hilarious and pure Barry Zito enjoyment. Uh, That's just the kind of guy he is. He's like, "Ah, fuck it. Fuck the rules. This is what we do. And that was just a quick fun story that brought me back in time for a minute to those early 2000s teams. And that was just really cool. Nowadays, Zito is focused on his music career and appeared on The Masked Singer as the Rhino. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen like two seasons ago with The Masked Singer, he was on it. And uh, somehow Jenny McCarthy got it. They know who they are. It's a hoax. Anyways, No recap of talking about Barry Zito would be complete without mentioning his 12-6 to curveball. That thing was just beautiful, and when he had it working, it felt like nobody could hit him. You could always tell how a Barry Zito start was going to go, too, because if he was leaving balls up a little bit, then it was going to be a very long day. But if he started off a hitter with a strike at the knees, then you could relax and just enjoy. Have a beer if you want to. It was all good times. But moving on to the number four starter of the Billy Bean era, and did you figure it out? Did you figure it out? It was Rich Harden, you guys. Obviously, the lasting memory of Rich Harden is always going to be what could have been. Injuries really derailed a really, really talented arm, but when he was pumping gas, he was just so much fun to watch. Harden spent seven seasons with the A's, but he was traded in the middle of one of those, and he also spent the last year of his career with the A's in 2011, so uh, he had, you know, a few seasons together, but all in all, he retired at the ripe old age of 29 and is surprisingly still Still only 38 years old. Uh, that one caught me off guard. As an A, he totaled just 624 in 1 third innings, holding a 3.65 ERA and accumulating 13 wins above replacement and is the only pitcher on the list to have a FIP lower than his ERA. His best season was arguably 2005 when he tallied 3.6 wins above replacement and held a 2.53 ERA. My main memory of Rich Harden was from that 2005 season and is another random game that I was in attendance for. It was the first game out of the All-Star break, and the A's were facing the Rangers on July 14th, a 23-year-old Rich Harden got the start, and then looking back, the A's rotation was stacked even after trading away Hudson and Mulder. Zito was the ace. Dan Heron was new, but outpitched Zito. Joe Blant was in his rookie season and had a better ERA than both Zito and Heron. And Harden was the youngest of the bunch and had the best ERA of the staff by a full run. And then Kirk Sarlos also got 27 starts for Oakland that season and finished with a 417 ERA. This team also featured a young Jairo Garcia for you Santiago Casilla fans out there. But uh, back to my memory of Rich Harden. Mainly, I just remember him cruising through the first couple of innings and the A's eventually hanging six runs, five earned on Chan Ho Park. And then around the sixth inning, I thought to myself, uh, holy crap, has Harden allowed a hit? And he hadn't. It took until there was one out in the eighth for the Rangers to get a hit against Harden on that night. And uh, the theory that I've held to this day, is that after the All-Star break, hitters are a little bit late on the fastball, so starting Rich Harden on that day with his heater was a very smart move. And it was uh, it was Alfonso Soriano that broke up the perfect game in the eighth with a single to center, and in the ninth, David DeLucci singled left with two away. Harden finished the game going all nine innings, allowed just two hits, and struck out eight on 80 pitches. It was the best game he ever pitched. So that was a fun one to be in attendance for. Uh, Harden was traded by the A's along with Chad Godin in July of 2008 to the Cubs in exchange for Sean Gallagher, Matt Merton, Eric Patterson, and some low-level catcher named Josh Donaldson. That one worked out well for the A's. Um, the A's got four players in exchange for Godan and Heron, who at that point had totaled just 72 innings over the previous two seasons and only had a year and a half left of team control. And that just... that. That kind of a return is just crazy by today's standards. That Donaldson wasn't even the linchpin of the deal makes it even crazier. He was a throw-in in that deal, you guys. Anyway, I loved watching Rich Harden on the mound and often just find myself wondering, what if? I definitely still have his jersey hanging in my closet, so I'll dig it out, take a picture of it, and post it on Instagram for you guys. So make sure to follow us at Locked On A's. But uh, before I sign off for today, I want to point out just how tight of a race it was for fourth place. Harden had 13 war, followed by Joe Blanton and Dan Harris at 12.2 and right behind them was Sonny Gray with 12 wins above replacement and then rounding out the top eight is Brett Anderson with 11.3 and uh Here's some other guys to mention. I, I have a bad memory of this one, but uh, Gil Heredia, he was 11th with 7.1. I remember him starting a game five against the Yankees in the ALDS. Not fun. Uh, they almost came back and won that game, but they didn't. Uh, Kenny Rogers was 12th with 6.9 wins above replacement. Justin Dukesher is 28th with three wins above replacement. And I'm only saying his name because I really loved watching Duke. Uh, and also Ariel Prieto was 65th with 0.3 wins above replacement. And I just wanted to name some names from uh, the ace past. So that is it for me today, you guys. I'll be back tomorrow with the top relievers of the Billy Bean era. So until next time, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I'll talk with you guys tomorrow.